is episode 300 of the Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase and Joel will take a look at Ford v. Ferrari and Marriage Story, as well as go over the week in movie news and movie trailers, all that and more on today's Real Me In. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and this is episode 300. Yes, we have made it there. I don't know whether to celebrate or go, I don't know, go cry in a corner somewhere, but uh, that is a lot of episodes. But yes, this is uh, episode 300. If you are new to the show and you were looking for a movie podcast to listen to or listen to a couple of people talk about movies and you know dissect them as uh, best as we can, uh, then I think you hit the right place and hopefully you can stick around and become uh, a regular listener. We would really appreciate that. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We always appreciate you guys coming uh, coming on board each week to uh, to listen to us uh, talk about stuff. So, um, like I said at the top. Episode 300. Yes, yes, yes. Another milestone indeed. Uh, just to put that in perspective, uh, every 100 episodes is like almost two years of my life. So, yeah, I, I consider that a milestone. Um, I don't really, yeah, so I guess a couple years ago it was episode around episode 200, which is mind-blowing. But, um, yes, so for this uh, historic episode, uh, we will be reviewing Ford v. Ferrari, uh, the uh, latest um, you know, Fox Disney acquisition um, you know, that's going to really rely on uh, good word of mouth and hopefully good box office. And then, of course, we're also going to do uh, Marriage Story, the, uh, the film from Netflix, which is going to probably dominate a lot during awards season. Well, to be quite frank with you, both of them probably will, but um, that one's going to be more so. So that is the main um, topic of conversation this week, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, before I throw it over to my co-host and uh, get him uh, awoken out of his days, um, if you guys could uh, you know, like this episode, share it around, let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, we would appreciate that you guys are the best. So Joel, uh, Joseph, uh, my cohort, my co-captain, um, it, this is episode 300, and uh, I don't know how you feel. I don't know if you have reached that level of regret yet. Um, you know, I still have you <laughs> under blackmail uh, to appear on this show weekly, and I just don't know how like how you're feeling right now. Like, are you do you still want to do this or like, you know, what's uh, what's just going through that head of yours? And you know, how was your uh, how was your week? It was a uh, Disney Plus week, and uh, I'm sure we're all exhausted uh, just looking at the content. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Disney Plus. Um, yes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, episode 300. You know, it's my, like, 125th episode, I think, officially. Um, and it's crazy. It, and next week is your sixth anniversary because mm-hmm. you started uh, just before Thanksgiving, right, of um, yes. 2013. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. Uh, you... I mean, I've been doing this for a couple of years. You've been doing this for more than half a decade. So yeah, it's it's pretty. Uh, so congratulations pretty on it like that. <laughs> well, one, congratulations on that, and two, you're extremely old, and nice. I can just I just rub it in your face. Okay, Joel. Uh, uh, quick little <laughs> quick little trivia for you. Uh, what was the first movie that I saw that prompted me to do uh, a podcast? Like, what was what came out that weekend? Oh goodness! You remember uh, me talking about it? The first ever movie? Yeah. 
Like, what was Goodness. the movie that came uh, out that weekend that I recorded my first ever episode? Was it Frozen? No, 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 it wasn't Frozen because that was a week after that. Uh, it was a, a, a little uh, sequel that I don't really care for called Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, given, given as you, yeah, okay, I, I knew that. I just forgot. Um, <laughs> people forget that movie. I mean, exactly. It's, it's extremely forgettable. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah. All right, so. Chase did mention that we were going to be reviewing uh, two movies today. We're going to be reviewing Marriage Story first. Uh, that's the first thing out of the gate. And then we're going to be you know, talking about the trailers and news. And uh, then we're going to be reviewing Ford v. Ferrari. And the reason for this is because this is actually going to be a new thing for this show. Uh, in the new year, whenever we start up again um, in January, after after we've put this year to bed, sort of, uh, we're going to be reviewing at least a couple of holdovers from 2019, but what we're going to be doing is this, exactly. Um, we're going to be reviewing a movie, then we're going to talk about trailers and news and the break, kind of the break between reviews and between them, um, and and then we're going to review another movie. Because uh, I find that for at least the last couple of months, our reviews have been shorter in general. Uh, I think just we've been able to get through our thoughts quicker, um, and so I, you know, kind of want to beef up the the episode again just a little bit, just a little bit, and uh, and then there's going to be a couple of weeks past the uh, the new year, uh, the beginning of the new year, where it's just going to be one primary review sh- uh, shared between us, but I'm also going to be doing an extra review, and of course it doesn't take me long to talk about a movie. I think that we've um, We've proven that recently, so that's going to be our new structure, guys. Uh, welcome, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, it'll be because you know, beginning of a new decade, I, th- I feel like should bring something of a change. Um, it's all about wiping the slate clean of of a decade of movies, and it's all about not really wiping the slate slate clean of you know six years of episodes, but I think you can I think you can shake it up a little bit. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, my week was spent at least half of it was spent um in front of disney plus <laughs> so in fact i was telling somebody last night uh disney plus is going to dominate the rest of my natural life because i am two episodes behind on Watchmen. i'm an episode behind on his dark materials i'm an episode behind on the morning show this is all the stuff that i really wanted to watch like this this fall and of course now because of um the massive, insane library that Disney Plus has, uh, that has become, you know, the thing that I'm doing. So I'm, I'm kind of speeding through some even Stevens episodes to kind of get a, a I think I'm also going to watch True Confessions, which was a, um, a Disney Channel original movie with, uh, Shia LaBeouf before, um, Honey Boy, which I see a week from tomorrow, uh, roughly and, or a week from Tuesday, depending on what I do. And, um, so I'm doing that just to get a kind of like a sense of Shia LaBeouf's performance uh, capabilities during the period of time when that movie is basically about, <laughs> so or part of it at least. So um, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm watching Lizzie McGuire over again just because we got the uh, the revival coming I think next year, uh, and so I want to be able to kind of you know it's going to be a continuing story. I want to re up. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I'm going to watch the movie again which I haven't seen since I think it came out in theaters. 
Um, so that was, you know, 16 years ago. And, um, so I'm doing that. I mean, it's just, it has, I rewatched uh, a movie that I have discovered. I mean, I think I liked it back then too, but, um, of course it was 1996. I wasn't discerning anything about movies yet. And, um, it's Jack, the movie Jack with Robin Williams as a 10 year old boy, uh, who has the appearance of a 40 year old man. Uh, not a very popular movie. I think it's good. Uh, I like it. I think it works because of, uh, because of Williams, because of the rest of the cast. Um, it's, it's insane that that movie comes from the director of Apocalypse Now and The Godfather, and maybe that's something that kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> led people to, to, you know, maybe criticize it a little too harshly. I'm not sure, but it's not up to that level, but it's good. Uh, it's a sweet little movie. So I rewatched that one because that was, uh, Disney through Hollywood Pictures uh, back in 1996 when they when they owned them. Um, I think it was after they gave up Miramax, they they or something like that. I know that they they owned two companies, um, Hollywood Pictures and Miramax in the 90s. At some point, I think that Hollywood Pictures was after they owned Miramax, and so they were able to um, to put it on the the service. And I I rewatched that, um, and it's just, just so many movies that I'm going to be watching in the near future. Um, after I get past all the, uh, um, the Oscar season movies and, um, yeah, it's just, it's just been crazy. That's been most of my week. Um, I've been working a lot, uh, saw a couple of movies here and there, but, but mostly have been working. I mean, I saw Charlie's Angels, saw Ford v. Ferrari on Friday. Um, I guess we're, since we're not reviewing Charlie's Angels, I'm just going to say it's bad. <laughs> And, uh, I know that, uh, Chase didn't like it either. So yeah, it's bad. Um, and then goodness me, what else? Um, I think that's it. I think that's, I think that's basically it. I was just going back and forth between work, schoolwork, movies, Disney plus. That's been my week. Are so you Mickey there you go. Stronghold on you? <laughs> well, Oh, you know what? It's so funny. So somebody posted this and, uh, you know, I, Okay. Another thing that I'm going to be watching uh, at some point, I'm probably going to start it in the new year, is I'm going to watch all of The Simpsons, uh, which is all I'm, I'm on I'm doing now. the same thing. Uh, I'm on yeah. like, episode four or five of season one. And it is just so fascinating nice. to see like a time capsule of like jokes, right. the animation, the voice work. It's just – it's bizarre. Yeah, it, and see, I've seen the first two seasons straight through. Or think of, it's either first two or three and because I own them at one point. I've, I've since sold them um, – in fact, to the place to, to the place where I work because I don't really need them anymore. You know, I, I watched them once through and and they were good. I liked them. I just never watched them again, so I didn't need it. And uh, I've only seen those three seasons straight through. I've seen a handful of episodes elsewhere, but I had not seen an episode with the following joke. And somebody somebody posted it, and then uh, somebody commented, "Disney now owns this joke." And it's this thing where Bart is uh, like he's dangling down having uh put a black bra on his head to make him look like mickey mouse and he he leers at uh i think i think it's his sister and he says um i am the mascot of an evil corporation <laughs> which is absolutely hysterical and i have to wonder like whenever they whenever they made that determination like i i have to wonder if somebody somewhere in the decision-making process remembered that joke and was like, you know, it would be so funny if Disney bought this. 
and uh, <laughs> and and actually did this. I I don't know. I just feel like there's there was some degree of like we got to take this on because it's such a kind of uh, you know a snarky show and it has right. a lot of snark for for so many things in the in pop culture and 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 sometimes it's Disney and it's just I guess it would be uh, it would fit. Um, if, if that happens. So yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I've heard from somebody, uh, Brian Tallarico over at Ebert, um, is a devoted religious lifelong fan of the show. And, uh, the, and he still watches it. He still pretty much enjoys it. Um, and, uh, basically it was like a period in college where he would just record every single episode or something, uh, and watch them over and over again, you know, as kind of in, in uh, as a way to to wind down after classes, and it was that experience that made him the lifelong fan he is, and so um, I I have it on his authority that a lot of the seasons in the middle of the show are the best, but it's all been pretty entertaining, yeah, and uh, at the very least, and so and he have, he even did a um, uh, a New York Times I believe piece on the show ranking every single episode. So he actually went back through and watched every episode and ranked them. And, uh, I mean, that, that tells you that's devotion, man. And, uh, so I, ha- so I trust that guy. I-, I think that he's got really good taste and I can't wait to see what, what I've been missing. <laughs> uh, so once I probably will wait until they put it on the right, um, aspect ratio. Cause that's a big, uh, point of controversy. Um, so I'm, I might just wait for that and I won't have time, uh, before the end of the year, but I do plan to watch that. And, uh, it's just funny that, that you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, it's, I've, it's uh... just, it's just such a, such a, such an insane service. I it just, mm-hmm. the, the degree to which they went to be really detailed, like there's, you know, I don't know why it's not a regular category, but if you press search, this is this is a little bit of uh, I don't I, I'm assuming people have discovered this if they have the service but you press search it gives you like Disney in the you know the 1920s and 30s and then Disney in the 40s and I, just flipping through those it, it is just insane it's 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 such a crazy weird experience to look through those lists and you know they get longer as as the decades go on but um but yeah. It's insane. So, sorry. Uh, no, I'm saying. just going to say that <laughs> my week has been dominated by that as well. Just kind of um, – we haven't been watching a lot. We watched uh, uh, the Jeff Goldblum show, which was really entertaining. Um, he, he goes around the um, Los Angeles I need to area. watch that still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first episode is about sneakers. And so he just kind of goes around um, to conventions. He goes to this, um, uh, like, shoemaker that's, like – custom designs and everything so he made his own custom pair um and it was like a dedication to i think his brother or father i, for, I forgot who it was but it was uh it was really nice but he's such a goofball man uh when you watch him like host a show like he's just so aloof and he's just like oh what, what is that over there you know <laughs> it's just it's just really funny to, to watch him so that one was pretty good um we watched the high school the musical the music whatever the series the, the, the long title one it was it wasn't bad. Um, they're going for that more, you know, kind of Parks and Rec office vibe with the mockumentary and everything. Uh, it doesn't really always work because there's a lot of scenes where like it's obviously it feels really staged and like it doesn't 
adhere to the kind of mockumentary style really well, and then they'll randomly just cut to a, uh, uh, you know, an interview shot. And I don't, I don't know. It doesn't work all the time, but it's entertaining. It's not bad. Um, what else? Uh, watch The Mandalorian. Um, uh, well, I found oh, yeah. Out. I should yeah. say that I watched The, Man- <laughs> the Mandalorian, yeah, right. too. The biggest Star Wars fan <laughs> in this group chat right now has decided to omit that. Um, no, I, uh, I, I like I've, seen, I've seen, I've seen, seen both so episodes. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, first two episodes I think are pretty solid. Um, I- I'm curious to see where it goes. Apparently the story that we're seeing right now is a three episode arc. So that's going to end next episode. And I don't know where it's going to go from episode four on. So that's exciting. Um, mm. uh, what else? I'm sure we watched a, a few more originals, but, uh, for the most part, um, because Joel and I are pathetic and we like nostalgia. Uh, we, we just been kind of, you know, digging that mine, um, with like the Lizzie McGuire show, even Stevens, you know, that's so Raven, all the stuff that we kind of grew up on. Um, so we watch, you know, some Lizzie McGuire episodes and they still hold up. I mean, there's still, um, you, you can definitely tell as you're watching it, like, uh, picturing yourself as like a kid and you're like, man, like I remember watching this as a as a child and like how much it influenced me and what I thought about middle school and all that stuff. It's just it's crazy how much it uh, still holds up in that regard. But yeah, we've just been kind of diddling around on Disney Plus uh, all week. Uh, really haven't dove into it yet, but um, we we definitely will. But from what I'm seeing so far and at the price point it's at, it's pretty good. And uh, you know I'm on the same kind of Simpsons roller coaster that Joel's on right now, and uh, I'm. You know, I'm liking it so far. I, I own the first five seasons before I just gave up because they're expensive. <laughs> and so I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. And so I kind of like... And the third, by the way, the third season's become more expensive. Right, because, because they Michael um, episode, so... Yeah, the uh, Michael Jackson, which is not on uh, Disney+. Right. Plus. They didn't uh, yeah, they they didn't get the rights to that. Be- yeah, because uh, uh, Fox, before they, before they um, were officially bought out, they removed that from all streaming services and have kept the rights to it in their pocket so right. they're they're not they're not giving it to them <laughs> yeah and, I mean, uh, I, with all the stuff going on with the documentary and stuff i don't blame them it's just like just bury that thing um but i mean like yeah in brian's case you know if like he's uh, like a simpsons purist i'm sure it does sting a little bit that you know that mm-hmm. yeah he he's already it. he's already tweeted like you know put it on there right uh <laughs> just because he wants he wants everything to be on there exactly uh so yeah yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm enjoying the the Simpsons kind of uh, walk through right now. It's uh, like it, I don't think people understand like how long that show has been on. Um, I was looking at the the dates that the episodes premiered. So the premiere episode came out a month after Joel was born, a month before I was born. The second episode came out five days before I was born, and the third episode came out two days after I was born. So just like that's how long it's been on the air. Like it's just absolute. Uh, insanity but um yeah it's really fun so far as far as movies this week um uh we saw charlie's angels uh <laughs> as joel alluded to and i already uploaded my uh uh review so i'm sure most of you guys have already heard it it's it's not good and uh before we you know dive into marriage story we got a really funny story to tell you about what happened on twitter uh with regarding that movie. But, um, <laughs> joel's ready to dive into that again um so we saw Charlie's Angels, and on Wednesday we saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the uh, Mister Rogers, um, you know, uh, fictional film, you know, not you know documentary like we saw uh, last year. And so this one, you know, Tom Hanks plays the title character, and 
Uh, how do you, how do you pronounce his last name, Joel Matthew? Is it Rise or Reese? So uh, Reese. Reese, okay. The hard uh, S. Thank you yeah. for telling me before I recorded. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because when I, when I record my review, I think tomorrow, I, I just want to make sure I get that right. So, uh, yeah, we saw that on Wednesday. You guys will get that review on Tuesday, so I'll hold my thoughts on that. Bite my tongue, if you will, so you won't you won't really know what I thought about it until then. Um, okay, so before we get into marriage story, we, we, we got to tell you guys that this awesome Twitter showdown uh, that Joel and I had, which, by the way, I didn't ask Joel to join it. He jumped in and he basically like took a bullet for me and he like alley ooped and like dunked on this person and I was like, "Dang, Joel, calm down with that." So, um, so I posted up my Twitter blurb on Charlie's Angels. Right, I do this with all movies. Uh, it's not just this movie that like I wanted to target and throw it out there. If you look at my timeline, um, I started at the beginning of the year. I went till March. I took a break for it uh, and then I came back. You know, uh, a few few months ago and. I've been doing it very consistently. I want to keep doing that. So we saw Charlie's Angels, and I put out my blurb. Um, I was like, I didn't really care for it. It's kind of bland. Um, uh, There's really no style to it. It's just kind of, it's just whatever. And I gave it like a C minus. So I I didn't really like rip it to shreds. However, this person uh, decided to, and and this is all public, by the way. So I'm not making this up. If you want to go look at it, (laughs) it is uh, um, on Twitter. Uh, she did not take this down, uh, the person that went after me. So go for it. Uh, re- read the thread; it's pretty entertaining. But and, and Joel and I were very respectful. No one like called each other names. We're just like we were trying to get answers as to why this happened. So I, I posted that up, and this person subtweets me saying uh, something to the uh, uh, tune of like. This is why uh, white men, you know, hate this movie. Like, you know, uh, all this stuff. And basically, she said, she said, you know, isn't it interesting that it's just white men who have been reacting this way, and everybody right. else enjoys it? And she, she's and, been tweeting a lot of reviews like that, and so yeah. she just kind of lumped me in there, right? And so I just responded back, like, because it, I, it made it seem like I didn't like this movie. Because it, there were women in it and all that stuff, and I was like, "Well, I enjoyed the, you know, other Charlie's Angels movies. You know, for the, for what they were, uh, and the time that Joel and I grew up in, they were cheesy fun. I, I liked them. They had a they had a style to them. And then she comes back with like, "Well, that was directed by a man and all this stuff." And I'm like, "But that what? <laughs> like, the, like I was like, I, my fiance liked those movies. She's she's a woman. Like, what what does that mean?" And she's like, "Well, a lot of people like those movies." okay and then joel you know jumped in early on right and i thought it was funny because like he was just taking over i was letting joel uh be the captain in this situation <laughs> i was like you keep going for it uh because i was I, yeah i watched uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood at this point so i was in a movie for two hours and so <laughs> when i get back to it um we were still asking her why you lumped me in with this generalization of like this is why white men hate this movie. Like, look at, look at him. Everyone just hates this movie. The white man, we need. And then she was like, we need more female critics and diverse uh, voices. And we're, I was like, Joel and I aren't even disagreeing with that. Like we want that. So what do you, once again, why are you lumping me into this group of people? Yeah, it, it was, it was weird. just basically Joel a bunch of alley oop on this person, <laughs> which was fantastic. So he did this three part thread, right? And I did my last two cents on this. 
And then uh, Joel comes back with this three-part thread, which was amazing. It was almost as if we were, like, playing basketball with one another, like, against this person. I was just tossing the, the ball back to Joel. He would toss it back to me. We were doing it very gently, right? And then he literally would just take the ball and just, like, slam dunk <laughs> out of nowhere. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, then. Um, so, basically, she, like, kind of assumed that, like, I didn't like any movie – uh, that had women in it or whatever, and I'm like, that's not the case at all, and I still don't understand why you loot me, loot, lumped me into this group of which you, you claim that people are deleting positive reviews of this. I'm like, well, first of all, those people are insane. Why are you lumping me in that group of people? That's a small that's the group. Usual, that's the usual story for Reddit anyway. I mean, right. it's just, and so, it's a, you, you, you read about Reddit, it's usually about somebody removing something right. unfairly so, uh, i mean like, that's, the, again, that's the history of it right and i'm like once again why are you targeting me what have i done to you and so here comes joel and he's like if and i'm paraphrasing but he's like if you did a little research on this guy's timeline uh <laughs> he likes plenty of movies that are directed by women starring women all that stuff just from this year and she never responded back, and it was the best. <laughs> I even like, listed them. Of... I went, yeah. I even listed them. I went to your, I went to your letterbox, and I looked through the through just this year, and I was just like, okay, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> I just and started listing like, them, and I couldn't even list all of them. So it was so, yeah. it was so awesome. So my boy Joel uh, Ali ooped this uh, Twitter user, which once and again, it's, and it's... I didn't ask Joel to do this. He did this on his own, and I was like, hey, listen, if he. Because it, it was stupid, and you're it's just I, – I don't know if this was like a kid or whatever. I don't – like I just don't know. And so Joel and I were very respectful. We didn't like yell at this person. We didn't call them names. We're just, we were trying to understand why you just randomly subtweeted my tweet and said like what you said. And we we're like we were trying to ask why, and she kept – diverging into other topics of conversation we're like we don't disagree with you there we don't disagree with you there once again going back to the original point why did you do this and she still didn't have an answer and i was like okay whatever and then joel does a mic drop and then we just leave the conversation so i think it was pretty successful wouldn't you say (laughs) (laughs) probably so and it's so weird that it's that movie like just suddenly that movie is the one like i I don't understand it it's completely it's completely without any personality from a director it's it's very bland action sequences there were there was personality to it yeah it it might have been from a male gaze but it was still a style that he went for and he executed elizabeth on a a filmmaking on a filmmaking level which is what we're talking about exactly uh it was pretty good or the first one i thought Uh, the second one and whatever but this whatever but yeah but the first one is fun Yeah. yeah and i i posted a review up on youtube and i still got comments like that and i'm like what makes this movie stand out to have all these people come out like this? And I don't know if it's because, like, Kristen Stewart has a big fan base or what, but, Joel, the internet is exhausting sometimes, and sometimes it will crawl into a hole. Um, so, um, <laughs> but uh, that was uh, that was the last story I wanted to tell you guys because I thought it was really funny. But, Joel, uh, I, I am excited to finally jump into uh, Marriage Story. It's been a couple months yes. since we've seen it, so go ahead and lead us off, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is the new movie from director Noah Baumbach. He also wrote it, uh, and it stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson as a couple living in New York, um, at least at the beginning of the story, uh, who are in the middle of a trial separation. 
as we find them at the beginning, uh, this ultimately ends with uh, divorce negotiations. And um, so the opening scene uh, is a real kicker. So the opening scene, we see this montage of the lives of Charlie, played by Driver, and Nicole, played by Johansson, um, speaking about what they like about each other. Uh, and it ends up being actually a thing that each person has written um, as homework is sort of a homework assignment given to them by a mediator uh, about what they would like to say to each other kind of although they're really just describing what they like about each other and what they think of each other in the context of um, the you know their relationship and, and their marriage and, and all of that. Um, as the story moves forward, we learn a little bit more about them. Charlie is a playwright and a director. Uh, he's trying to make it big in Broadway. And uh, Nicole is an actress who came from Los Angeles and on a whim kind of uh, ended a relationship she was already in to be with Charlie, who really just struck her as a, as a good man. And uh, she she just kind of became uh, smitten with him and, and moved to New York, started doing these plays with him that are very um, that are very odd <laughs> kind of. A, he's kind of it's it's very it's very uh, implied that he's kind of a pretentious playwright when it comes to what he's creating. But she becomes really, really fascinated by that work. And and ultimately, though, things just kind of chip away. They they realize that they're just too alike in certain ways, too different in others, to stay together. And they decide that they're going to take a trial separation. And despite the the fact that they do both love their son Henry, played by Aji Robertson, um, and uh, so basically Nicole moves back back out to L.A., hires a lawyer. Um, an, a high-profile celebrity attorney played by Laura Dern, uh, who kind of went through the same battle, and so she really understands her. Um, and Charlie doesn't really want to hire a lawyer. Uh, in fact, he and Nicole have previously agreed not to do that, but when she does it, he realizes that he has to. So first he goes to a guy named Bert Spitz. You have to say the whole name. He's, play, he's played by Alan Alda. Um and he actually provides an observation. I'm going to get to this, but there's an observation about divorce that he makes uh, that I will I will say later. Uh, I think that it kind of sums up the movie. But first he goes to him, kind of realizes maybe he's not the right fit, a little bit um, a little bit of a soft lob. So he ultimately hires a really ruthless, expensive lawyer played by Ray Liotta. Um, this this is a movie kind of defined by big dialogue driven set pieces uh it's not a an a to b to c plot it's not it's not like that um but there's a really intimate treatment here that i think uh Baumbach delivers by way of just a perfect tonal balance so this movie is really funny guys really really funny in the way that a lot of Baumbach films are uh, there, there are still some movies that I need to see of his. I still need to see Kicking and Screaming. I still need to see um, Margot at the Weddings. Still need to see Greenberg. But I've seen everything else. I've seen Squid and the Whale, and I've seen everything since Francis Ha. And this is a director who really understands kind of 
what makes humans tick. And I think that this is a, another example of that kind of strength from him. Um, it's really bolstered by these two performances from, from Driver and Johansson. Uh, but I think it also has really great supporting work. Uh, Dern is great, probably going to win the best, uh, best supporting actress Oscar. She's basically just this human ball of energy. <laughs> she can, she can, uh, navigate severe situations with cookies and tea and she's very, she's very, um, uh, soft and also, but you know, as a, as a lawyer, very hard hitting, but on a humanistic level, she's very, she's very soft. She's very nice. She's kind. And you have, uh, Alan Alda who is fantastic. Uh, Ray Liotta really just eats up the screen here. I think that he's better than people are probably anticipating. He's not a huge part. He's not as big a part in the supporting cast as Duran Alda, but he's great. Um, it's very much a role that he, he knows how to play. He digs into it like apple pie. Um, and yeah. And then you also have, uh, Julie Haggerty and Merritt Weaver playing Nicole's, uh, mother and sister. Uh, the driver character has no family. And so basically her family is his family, which makes it all the harder when they decide to separate. Uh, because of course he stays in New York she uh, is living in L.A. to do a to do a TV pilot that um, they're hoping to turn to series, and um, and he is not he's really not for that. He doesn't like that idea, um, just because he wants to stay a New York family, and he considers them a New York family the entire time. Um, and all of this, I think, is basically just so well controlled by Baumbach, who. Um, does a lot of long takes. There's a really great single take uh, from him and uh, cinematographer Robbie Ryan early on. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie um, in which uh, Johansson's Nicole describes meeting and falling in love with him. Um, great scene. Chase knows exactly what I'm talking about where she's talking with um, with Laura Dern's character just about how how they met and how um, and how she she just she fell in love with him. The specifics of how that happened and I was the, re- the you know the reasons the reasons when she uh, uh, when she knew or the the time when she knew the reasons that she that she knew. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I was listening to an interview uh, <clears throat> or the actors on actors from mm-hmm. Variety, uh, and it was Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson, and they were talking about. Because she asked about Ryan Johnson's directing style because he was in Knives Out. And then he asked about Noah Baumbach. And uh, she was like, so how how does Ryan do it? And he was like, one or two takes and you're done. And she was saying Mm -hmm. for Noah's style, he's almost kind of like Fincher in a way. And she said Mm -hmm. that he will shoot takes over and over again to get as precise uh, as, as humanly possible. And she said... You can't really um, deviate off the script too much, and like even if you add like an extra word, he will ask you to do it again. Like it was like you said, very right. controlled, and just knowing that they had to do multiple takes, and knowing the scene that you're talking about, that had to have been emotionally taxing on her. Like I can't right, oh man, you had. To I mean, do you could not, you over could, and over again. I mean, you could kind of see it almost. There's there's a there's an exhaustion right that she has um, by the end of that scene. You can just tell as a person who's probably said a lot of this in her head, maybe not a lot of it to someone. And so by the end of it, I mean, it's a, it's what, maybe 
six or seven minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got to be. It's got to be at least that. Uh, it's it's crazy, and it's all one take. Apparently, it was an actual one take. There was no there was no cut or whatever you know where they like edited together to to make it look like that. So, I mean, that whole scene, like six or seven minutes straight of doing that over and over again, is. I mean, it's got to be exhausting, and yeah, it's it's a great performance. It's a great performance. Uh, it's a great scene. It's probably, I think, it's going to be her Oscar clip, the part of that at least. And um, yeah, because it's her, it's kind of her big big scene. It comes early. She's got she's got a lot of you know scenes like that. Uh, I think that it's the one that really centers on her. And um, and yeah, it's excellent. And Driver gives a similar moment. There's uh, near the end. There's there's a point where he um, he sings the song "Being Alive," uh, which is from um, Firth and Sondheim's play "Company," um, which I've never seen. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm I was familiar with the song before that. Uh, he does a really good rendition of it for the for the record. Um, it feels impromptu to me in a way because, and, and this is. Uh, this kind of goes against the whole um, everything is scripted. Maybe this is scripted. I have a feeling that if there was a single impromptu thing about this movie, it was this because it feels to me like when when Adam Driver starts the song, he starts the song, and then there's this moment where he goes back over to a table. He's about to sit down, or maybe he does, and then he gets back up and he continues the song. And I just have to wonder if it's possible that that was the one ad lib scene. Like that was the one thing where Noah Baumbach was about to do it. And then uh, like with this little thing of inspiration, Adam Driver uh, just started, you know, continued the song, which wouldn't surprise me because I think the driver's been pretty clear about the fact that he's kind of a a play, uh, you know, like a musical junkie. So it could very well be that that actually was <laughs> the case, and then you have like this gigantic fight that they have, um, and how you know just knowing that apparently every single one of those words was scripted is amazing to me, because I have to wonder what the come down process was for for these actors. Like in after that scene, was it that you know like the, maybe they they spent half a day you know shooting that part of the movie. Or more than that, um, did they, you know, kind of in that with and then take some time apart? Like I'm talking about the actors now. Maybe you know, take some time apart. You know, not deal with each other. Maybe, maybe he went off and shot something else. I don't know if there's anything else to shoot, but maybe some time apart. Maybe watching a silly sitcom together or or apart or something. You know, uh, it just it just it's amazing to me. I mean, the the big emotional scenes here are truly emotional uh, in a way that is that is just hard to watch, um, honestly, sometimes. And uh, uh, that's how our friend um, Mark puts it, actually, by the uh, by the end of the the review, his review. He really liked this movie as well. And at the end of his review, he said, you know, it's basically it's just about these two people who um you know, who seem real, who have raw arguments and it, and it hurts, it hurts to watch. Um, it really does. I mean, it's, it's the perfect descriptor of that, um, feeling. And so, yeah, I, you know, I don't know how much there is to talk about in terms of the movie, um, in, you know, in terms of the plot, really, this is all about the performances, but there's a great Randy Newman score, 
um, one of the one of the best scores of the year. Um, it has a real shot at winning the Oscar. I don't know if it will. I think that there might be another one uh, that does, but um, certainly in the in the comp- in in the conversation to be uh, to be a winner at the Oscars. It's a great great score. Um, it kind of almost undermines uh, at, at times or undercuts the the drama of the scene. It's there's some quirkiness to it, some old fashioned uh, kind of eighties um, dramedy feel to it. Something out of like Moonstruck or When Harry Met Sally, that kind of thing. Um, seems to seems to call back to those. Um, there's also great photography. I mentioned Robbie Ryan's the cinematographer here. There's a lot of um, um, I think that this might have been shot on film, and it really does bring out <clears throat> both New York and L.A. in a way that uh, that I wasn't anticipating, but probably should have been just because it's Robbie Ryan. Look up the guy's uh, filmography; it's it's just it's insane, um, and lots of very different movies. This is I can't remember what the last one he did was, um, but it wasn't anything like this movie. It was it was something else entirely. And the fact that that he's able to kind of switch gears and and um, do a movie like this and make it look great, you know, in a different way is is a real testament. It's really well edited, um, just you know, um, very much, especially that opening montage, but very much uh, utilizing montage type editing uh, throughout. Even if it isn't what you usually think of as a montage, which is a lot of little scenes put together, montage editing is is um, more than just that, and uh, does use that uh, quite a bit. Um, and yeah, well edited. It's just a it's just a well constructed piece of work. But of course, again, the story of this movie is these performances, these big dialogue driven set pieces. Um, and I think that this is Baumbach's best work, at least from what I've seen. Uh, just about on any movie, I like it. I like it more than The Squid and the Whale, which is kind of the obvious um, companion piece. Uh, that one was about divorce from the perspective of the kids in that movie played by um, Jesse Eisenberg and – oh, man. I've forgotten the other the other kid's name. Uh, both were really good. Of course, Jeff Daniels um, and uh, – and oh, my gosh. I just forgot who played the, the – uh, the wife. Anyway, and Anna Paquin's in it too. Um, really good movie. I, I I'm I'm having a brain fart on that movie, folks. I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of the obvious companion piece to that. I think it's better. I, I think it's uh, I think it's better, and I think it's his best film that I've seen to get to date. Again, again, I've got three to see uh, before making such a determination. But I think that this is probably going to be next level even for Boundback fans and it's just it's just fabulous uh it's a, fa- a fantastic piece of work i think it's going to win best picture personally just so you know uh maybe not best director but i think that it's going to win best picture and um and it certainly deserves that that kind of uh that kind of love so really really uh looking forward to seeing how this kind of how, how people respond to this once they're able to see it on Netflix, it uh, it drops December sixth, and it's uh, playing in you know uh, some theaters in the states now. But drops December sixth, Netflix. Everybody needs to watch this. It's fantastic. Uh, it's more than two hours, so it's you know it's a it's a, it's a commitment. It's 136 minutes, I think. 
Um, might seem like a long time to be with a a marriage that's falling apart, but um, but it is fantastic. It's great, but it isn't. It also isn't just in one note. It's there's a lot more notes here. There's a a lot of um, a lot of humor, and uh, it's just just really observant about the human condition. I think, and uh, and I love it. So that's basically it, folks. My my grade is an A plus. I love this movie. I don't have any problems with it. Um, I don't think that anything missteps. Um, and I think that it all just really clicks together. So that is my review of Marriage Story. Chase, take it away. Yeah, we, uh, we saw this movie almost, uh, two months ago. And typically when Joel and I see movies like that far apart from the actual episode, because we saw it in late September, we knew it wasn't going to like start popping around places until November. And of course it hits Netflix in December, super long time, um, to watch something but if it's really that good the cool thing about really good movies is that it sticks with you and i'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh let you guys know that this movie has not left my brain since i saw it uh so you can probably guess that it's gonna be on the list uh somewhere at the end of the year this is this is a fantastic film it, it is um I think Joel put it best. It is definitely observant of the human condition and how, on how some marriages are. And this doesn't like sugarcoat it. This isn't like, you know, some type of like fantasy um, marriage situation. This is a real thing that couples go through. And with Noah kind of pouring his heart and soul um, out on the page like that, it is really, it's vulnerable. And it, it's really it gives us a sense of, into who he is, and I really uh, enjoyed it that way. Now, a lot of people are going to look at this, and they're going to be like, "Oh, he wrote this movie about you know his ex-wife and what they went through with their child. It's going to make him look good and really kind of put her down." That's actually not the case. Uh, there's several points in the movie where Adam Driver is completely unlikable, and. Um, I, I, I like that because he's human, and Scarlett Johansson even has a couple of those moments uh, where she's not likable at all, and then they they find um, their likability like when they're with each other and stuff. So it's it's complex. It's you know it's a definitely a human story because it's not you know this black and white situation. There's a lot of gray area, and when you have a kid like that in the middle of a divorce situation, it makes it worse. And so I think with Noah Baumbach pouring his soul like that out onto the page and really kind of delivering it on screen. It was really powerful to watch because Joel is correct. This isn't like a movie that you go to and watch for, for plot or, you know, intrigue or suspense or whatever. Well, suspense in the, in the sense of like, you know, uh, you know, what's going to happen to them. But this is a, a actor's movie. This is a writer's movie. This is someone basically, um, giving us their kind of like, I don't know, just their life on screen. And we get to see these, like, in the moment, you know, arguments or conversations. And we really get a sense of how raw and how palpable uh, these scenes are just from the commitment of, you know, the actors and the the dialogue that is written. You just, you feel like you're watching this real couple going through this situation. So I think what Noah was able to construct was something that is uh, really vulnerable and emotional, but also really precise in the filmmaking and just the sense of control that he had over the scenes and 
really making you invested into um, this couple and you know what they're going through. Because someone uh, made a comment on my YouTube uh, review and they said, "Who would watch this? Like, why would you put yourself through this this torture of watching these people argue and just bicker at each other and go through this really exhaustive and expensive divorce process?" And I look at it as this is the reality for some people. Yeah, this is not, you know, some some happy marriage. It's not, you know, something that's Hollywoodized and, you know, it's, it's just it's all fluff and roses and rainbows. It's like, no, this is this feels real. This doesn't feel fake. This feels like we are watching a couple that at some point loved each other so deeply they you know, had a kid together. They they really understood each other. And we're watching this moment in time in their relationship as it just dissolves right in front of our eyes. So it's it's observant to see how people react in this situation. It's devastating and heartbreaking to watch, like, you know, like what Mark said, because you know deep down that they have love for each other, but it's just really sad to see them in this situation. Um, and it's just enthralling to see them kind of talk with one another and have this dialogue kind of pop and feel so raw and real. Um, It's just, that's why I like watching it. It's just, it's really exciting, um, you know, cinema that you're, you're watching. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a downer, but you know, if you can look past that and just really kind of get invested into the situation, understand, you know, how people react in these situations, I think you'll find some, not joy out of it, but you know, uh, you know, you'll you'll like watching it just because it's it's really good filmmaking. But uh, yeah, someone commented that, and I was like, well, people like certain things. You you know, uh, I like watching <laughs> depressing movies sometimes, and you know, it's just the way it is. But Joel brought up a good point. There's a lot of levity to it. There's a lot of humor to it, and even with Randy Newman's score, providing that underbelly of levity with, uh, like you said, that kind of like quirky, almost like Toy Story feel to it, and it's. It is strange to hear at first, but it kind of it it works like it. I I don't know. It just like when you watch it kind of play out, it works with like the cinematography, the way um, the narration plays over the story. Sometimes I don't know. It just I it is an odd choice, but I think it is a correct choice that uh, no um, decided to do with the score. Um. And as you can tell, I'm I'm waiting to hold on to the performances for last because I think those are the shining stars for sure. But last thing I want to comment is the um, cinematography. Uh, it, it's really lovely to look at. And a lot of natural light is used, really just making these situations at hand more natural and uh, don't feel staged. Like this feels like people were following, ar- following around in like a house in L.A. or New York or whatever. I really enjoy this kind of ethereal look to it uh, with how the sun would like bleed into, um, you know, like the living room or whatever and just really kind of light up the scene that way. It just uh, it, it grounded the movie uh, just a little bit more. And that's all because of the cinematography. Really great to look at. Guys, the performances are off the chart. And Joel made this prediction and he's sticking with it. And I actually think this is probably the way it's going to go. I think Adam Driver is going to get his Oscar. I think this is uh, this is it for him. Um, both of them are really commanding on screen, and 
when they're like lovey-dovey, like they have that that kind of odd chemistry that you would never think that Driver and Johansson would have, but it actually it just works just because of the kind of dialogue that Noah has them, um, you know, kind of speak out. It just, I don't know, it just everything kind of clicked together when they were lovey-dovey or when they were supporting each other or being around their kid. It's just, it was a nice little relationship to look at. And then once that time bomb went off and they were like yelling at each other or like when she's breaking down in front of her, her lawyer, it's just, these performances are just really captivating um, and just mesmerizing to watch. Like if you ever want to be an aspiring actor, watch this movie and you will probably um, learn a few tricks or, you know, really get into it even more just uh, just by watching this. Adam Driver is just phenomenal in this. Um, and it's it's interesting to see how their characters kind of go throughout the divorce process because there's a lot kind of um, piling on him in certain ways, you know, where he um, – Adam Driver has this, like, kind of ability where he can – plunge all of his emotions like down into him and really kind of suppress them and then at certain points he'll just explode and he um I, I like that kind of unpredictable uh quality to his performance there and then Johansson is really kind of uh like this emotional roller coaster that we see you know like she's really like at the beginning of the movie she's really like kind of determined she's a really great mother and like you you just think that she wouldn't be able to crack at all. Like she just seems like a really strong person. And then when she gets really, really um, kind of down, you know, down in there emotionally, it's just it's really hard to watch. And especially that one take scene with her in the, the lawyer's office, it's just it, it, it's rough. But um, she's having a great year, man. Between this and Jojo Rabbit, and even. <laughs> being in the highest grossing movie of all time, she she's killing it this year. And um, for all the people out there that never saw Scarlett Johansson as a great actress because all you saw her was in Marvel films or stuff like Lucy and stuff, like watch watch stuff like this. Watch stuff like Jojo Rabbit. Watch when she lost in translation, when she strips down as an actress and just watch her be a great performer. Like, she's really good at what she does, and uh, I think this movie really captures that. Now, I'm really positive that Driver's going to probably win this. She's going to get nominated for sure. I mean, that would be awesome if they both won. I, I don't think it's it's probable, but it would be really cool if uh, both of them walked away from this um, with gold in their hand. But uh, I think they're both worthy of nominations and both worthy of wins. But if I had to peg a a prediction right now, he's the uh, he's probably gonna get it. And I I don't know. I haven't seen all the uh, actresses this year in terms of performances. I still gotta watch Judy and stuff. So who who knows? Uh, my mind can change. But for right now, they would both be in the lead in my eyes for uh, lead actress and lead actor. So um, I I had this movie pegged at an A <laughs> for the longest time, but. As you guys know, I will give it that plus if, like, it sits with me. It really just resonates with with me, and I think this one does that. I am with Joel on this one. I'm going to give Marriage Story an A+. Um, if you guys can see it in a the theater, please see it in the theater. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you can't make it to a theater and it's not playing anywhere near you, then please watch it on Netflix and support the movie. And, uh, yeah, get the conversation going. And let's uh, let it win some awards because I think it totally deserves it. 
All right, folks, uh, that's our reviews. And I completely agree, by the way, um, about um, the fact that this could be something that you, if you're an aspiring actor, that you watch right? to um, to kind of get pumped up <laughs> almost about the technique because I was actually talking to a friend uh, who was really angry that I got to see this before her. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's an actress. Darn you, out. Joel. I know. And I'm about to <laughs> – I'm also about to see. We're, we're going to be seeing a movie on Wednesday – that she is even more angry that I got to that I'm going to get because it's their most anticipated movie of the rest of the year. Um, anyway, really, really stretching the 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 fabric of our friendship. Um, yeah, she's yeah, a, she's an actor. Has an invite every single week and just like, hey, I'm watching this before <laughs> you, and she's like, please stop talking to me. <laughs> exactly. Um, she's an actress living in North Hollywood, and she and I was telling her. Um, yeah, you can't. I mean, literally, as as an actor yourself, you cannot watch this without appreciating the technique. It's just it's just incredible, just incredible uh, what they're able to um, deliver, especially under the confines of apparently Bombach's direction, because you know just of how closely scripted everything is. Um. But yeah, it's it's incredible, guys. So definitely go see Marriage Story, uh, or or watch it on Netflix when it lands on uh, December sixth. All right, so um, we're gonna do trailers next. I was also just gonna say um, we have no news this week, and this is actually news to Chase. There's um, there's really only yeah, there's there's really only a couple of bits of news, and I can just push those off to next week. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do that. Uh, so Chase, go ahead and take the trailers, and then we'll get into our Ford v Ferrari review. Right. Uh, just real quick before I jump into the first trailer, which Joel is going to accompany me on because he knows way more about it. Um, I rarely use the C word or the M word uh, when describing movies because I think it's just thrown out so loosely nowadays. It has no oomph for power behind it anymore. I honestly think that Marriage Story will be uh, a classic down the line um, in, in terms of just – American storytelling, I, I think it, it will go down as uh, um, a classic down the line. So uh, I, I don't say that often, but there's a lot of movies this year that I think have that staying power, and it's uh, really exciting to see how well it ages. Okay, so getting to some of the trailers. Now, uh, <laughs> before the week started, Joel texted me. He said, you better put this on your list. And I was like... I've never even heard of this. And so when I played the trailer, I was like, oh, this is the thing that Joel's been talking to me about for the past four years. Um, ever since I've met Joel, I'm not even joking. He brings this up all the time. So I don't keep up with it because I haven't watched it. But it's it sounds really interesting. It's got, you know, uh, the whole, like, boyhood effect and stuff. So, hey, I, I, I'm willing to kind of start from the beginning of it and – uh, do that but um the the first one in like i said joel's going to accompany me i'm just going to read the plot synopsis and let you know what i thought about the trailer even though i've never seen it it's 63 up and it is a documentary uh that is uh it focuses on this group of people uh that live in britain and they follow them every seven years and kind of just see what has happened you know do they have kids are they married um maybe there was an illness that struck them or maybe they found success or, you know, just like really get inside of their head and see what they've been up to. And, um, 
hey, listen, I've never seen it before, um, but I can tell you right now, this is a really great uh, trailer. It, it gets me actually excited to to watch this and see these people grow up, these strangers that Joel and I have never met, but we're so compelled to like just know what has happened in their life. And I, I love just really, um, really good human stories like this. So Joel, as a as a person that's never seen it, um, I was impressed by the trailer. It makes me want to start it. So give us your give us your history with it, and uh, what you thought of the trailer. Okay, so um, I think you might have a slight misunderstanding of what this is, but I'm going to explain it anyway. Um, I was already I was already going to do that. So this is from director Michael Apted, uh, and it is the latest in a series of documentaries um, that have span that have spanned like five decades. I think um, it all began back with a movie actually not directed by Apted, although I think he was involved. Uh, I can't remember the name of the first director who did this, but back in 1964, there was a little 35-minute um, short documentary shown in Britain called Seven Up. Um, and it was and it was about these these this group of kids in Britain, uh, and it was school children. It was just kind of a general human interest kind of thing, right? And then Michael Apted, I think, was was like one of the cameramen, or he did something involved with the first one. He wasn't the official director, but he got the bug to follow these kids every seven years. And it was kind of by accident that that happened. Uh, they happened to go back to those kids and find them when they were 14 in a documentary called Seven Plus Seven um, that came out, of course, seven years after this. And just to clarify, that that's what I meant. This is an ongoing oh, okay. series, that, and this is just another installment. Right, right, right. Yeah. So this is this is the latest, and it follows pretty much most of the same people uh, over the course of time. A couple of them have fallen out of favor with the documentary crew or just with the idea that they that they wanted to be followed. I think that there was even one that I think left the the series for a whole like thirty years or something. He he exited out of um, after twenty one up and then came back at fifty six up. Uh, fifty six up is one that I haven't seen uh, because basically I was able to watch the other ones because they were all at the beginning of this decade, available uh, to watch on Netflix. They are no longer available to watch on Netflix because Netflix turned away from uh, um, licensing things from overseas a lot, and so that, that didn't have like uh, U.S. distribution. So while they were able to have those, it's, at one point they started you know, acting more like a company. They decided that they couldn't really uh, do that anymore, and they took it off. So right now the only way for uh, – Somebody in the states to watch it is to buy the region free DVD set for like ninety dollars on Amazon, um, and I don't think that it's stream. I think that that's there's this website called BritBox that is a sort of a, a streaming service for British shows, but I was looking through their their roster and it, they don't have any of these on there. So I think that it's only really viewable on streaming in the uh, in the UK, probably in Europe, um, but. It's been fascinating. Uh, it is very much, you know, obviously Richard Linklater was directly uh, inspired by this um, to do his movie Boyhood like he did it. Uh, of course, in that case, you know, he wasn't like shooting something and then releasing it. Uh, he was shooting, you know, for like two weeks a year, and then he finally just put together everything that he put together and, and release it as one movie. This is an ongoing 50-year project. 
that Apted has overseen uh, since the second installment. And uh, so I've seen everything through 49 up. Uh, that is the last one that I watched that came out in 2005. Um, and then 56 up came out in 2012. Now we're, we have this new one. Um, and it looks amazing. Uh, it just, it, I really am looking forward to seeing where everybody is now. Uh, of course, I uh, again, I got to see 56 up to see where they were at, <laughs> you know, by then. I do know that after the last one, one of the subjects died. Uh, so that'll be that'll be kind of um, uh, bittersweet just because I'll be able to see her one last time, uh, you know, having watched the last one. But I think that she died like within a week or two after Ebert did back in 2013. Um, and he was one of the biggest champions of this series. He thought that it was probably the most noble filmmaking venture of all time or something. And uh, he's not wrong. I mean, to 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 keep up with these people and not try to give up on the project. I mean, especially after some people have exited it, <laughs> is just incredible. And this is just the latest trailer. So I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about the trailer itself. Uh, it, it definitely gets you excited to see these people again. Um, and it's really well edited. It it obviously does a good job of selling the previous movies in the in the series. But it's a fascinating series, and um, yeah, I, I really, I really wish that it was made more available in the states. Uh, if you have it and you've been sitting on it and you haven't watched them for some reason, get on that because these are really fascinating people. Uh, they, you know, it, kind of when they're young, they they have certain dreams, they have certain aspirations, um, and then when they get older, uh, apparently one of the things in this one is that one of them has this horrible illness and they could die soon. Um, so another, another death It could be by, um, uh, by 70 up, they're not, they're not, uh, back. And, um, yeah, so it, it, it looks beautiful. It looks really, really good. So um, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to, you know, obviously catch up with 50, 56 up and then see this. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, somehow. That, was my, that was my whole point is like for people that have never seen it, I think if you watch this trailer, it'll get you intrigued to like, yeah. go, you know, search out the, uh, uh and I, th and I seem to remember that they do, that they do this with the structure of the trailer every time, because I have seen a trailer of 56 up and they did the same thing I, at the beginning of the, at, at the beginning, they, they said, you know, we've been following seven kids since since they're, or I mean, not not seven kids. There's more than that, but uh, you know, we're following these people since they're since they were seven and and all of that. And then they ease into the new uh, um, footage and the and the new talking head interviews and and all of that. And uh, yeah, I took I took a I took a risk on it one day, uh, and I ended up watching like half of the series in one night because I think the first four. I think the first four are only like, you know, the first one's a half an hour. I think the second one is maybe 45 minutes. And then the preceding three are like just an hour. So it wasn't like it was, you know, I had, I had a free evening. I noticed this thing. I was like, oh man, I've heard good things about these. I'm going to try it. And I ended up watching like half the, <laughs> half the series in one night. And then I, and then I continued it over the week. And, um, that was back in 20, oh gosh, 2010, 2011, uh, back near when Netflix was new to streaming. Um, and, uh, and we had added the, uh, the streaming package onto our, onto our price. I, I, uh, I noticed that and that was actually, that might've been one of the first kind of, I guess my version of a binge watch, um, uh, that I'd ever had. And it's, and it's definitely one that you can binge watch if you can find it. <laughs> so if you have, like I said, if you have the DVD set, 
make your way through them. You, you will not be you will not be sorry. It's they're a bunch of easy easy watches, and um and it's a and it's sort of like uh, <laughs> I never connected this to The Simpsons, but it's it's sort of like what you're saying about The Simpsons being kind of this time capsule of jokes. Watching this is sort of a time capsule of of English culture, and. English, you know, politics and 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 all of that, and and for somebody like me who doesn't live in in the UK, uh, it's fascinating to see to see that sort of shift over time. Um, you know, they obviously lived through the like the um, the Margaret Thatcher days and and into the nineties and 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 all of that, and um, and yeah, it's just it's just fascinating. So. Sorry, uh, you keep talking, but <laughs> and then I keep no, interrupting. I just, but uh, it's great. It was fascinating to hear you speak about it because I, when it, when we first met, you brought that up as mm-hmm. like one of your favorite things to kind of follow. So one of these days, Joel, one of these days, got to add it to the uh, the queue, which basically means I'll probably watch it when I retire, uh, <laughs> which would be very fitting. Uh, so um, the next trailer uh, to to switch gears uh, ever so gracefully to the SpongeBob movie uh, to. <laughs> Uh, the wow! Movie, yeah, right. uh, Sponge on the Run is the third SpongeBob movie. It comes from Paramount, and this one tells the story of uh, Gary, uh, good old SpongeBob's uh, pet snail. He is missing, and uh, SpongeBob and Patrick have to go find him. Um, so Keanu Reeves is a talking head inside of a tumbleweed. So that's what we're going at. Um, that's that was fascinating to see. Um, I actually don't mind the SpongeBob movies. They're actually pretty pretty fun i saw the the sequel in theaters uh by myself so i'm i'm assuming a lot of parents thought i was uh thought it was really weird um but yeah i i, I like them uh you know joel and i grew up on the show um i i like old spongebob way better than newer spongebob and stuff um but i still like the overall ip of it it's just you know it's entertaining enough and um this trailer itself is fine, and the story itself is fine. I think kids will enjoy it. The animation does throw me off a little bit because it is the um, I don't know how to describe it. Like it's it's three D animated or animation or whatever. It's you know not the hand drawn kind of uh, you know what we're used to, but it's just I don't know. I'm just I'm not really digging it. Uh, kind of throws you off a little bit when you're watching. You're like eh, that's not really what's spongebob looks like uh because the first two movies they did um in the same vein as the show so i I don't know i'm a little iffy on the actual look of it but um i think overall i think it'll be a nice little hit for for paramount so i have really nothing else to to add um this has been animated animation week uh because i guess they're getting ready for frozen 2 but um another one that dropped this week is uh scoob with an exclamation point, and no, I'm not going to yell because I'm in a different house right now, and I don't want to scare uh, people. Uh, so, um, Scoob is the Warner Brothers. That's extremely, attempt. that's extremely low energy chase. Come on, man. I, I know, Come it's, on. I know it's low energy, <laughs> but once again, not my house, uh, and I'm sure the neighbors will be like, "What was that?" Uh, someone just yelled Scoob like at the top of their lungs. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so this one uh, comes from Warner Brothers, and this is from their animation department. So you know. They've been on a roll so far with, like, Storks and uh, the Lego movies and, of course, uh, Smallfoot. So they've had a nice little resurgence in their uh, animation um, division. So uh, Scooby-Doo has been under the Warner Brothers kind of IP belt for decades now. I mean, they, they've they been owning this thing for a very, very long time. So they've had a lot of different um, live-action movies, the TV show. They still do straight-to-DVD 
combos, you know, where, like, uh, the gang will be with, like, the Supernatural people or, like, WWE and all that stuff. So they still continue to make Scooby-Doo uh, anything. Um, so it was only a matter of time before they took another stab at it theatrically. So this one we have Shaggy and Scooby meeting as, uh, you know, when they were younger and then joined the uh, the mystery gang. Uh, and here we are. Uh, and, and they just go on another kind of spooky adventure to find out uh, who, who, who was under that mask. Um, Mr. Jenkins, the janitor. Um, I always liked watching the show. Uh, just, just a little history. Uh, my brother's a huge Scooby-Doo fan, so there was Scooby-Doo everything in the house growing up. So I, I, I could, even if I hated it, I couldn't avoid it. It was always in my face, but I, I like this trailer. I think it's charming. And you know, the joke at the very end was really funny. Um, Velma said something like, uh, uh, this person like drinks a lot and like is not really around that much. And Daphne was like, is it my dad or something like that? Um, I don't know. I, I got a little chuckle out of me, but, um, yeah, it looks like it could be, uh, something that'd be worth it uh i don't really get excited for that many animated films anymore but um yeah i I think uh i think it it could work and i i think like i said warner brothers animation has been having a pretty good streak so far so yeah go for it okay uh let me see all right one last uh animated one before we jump into the dramas and i'm not gonna really comment on the trailer itself because it's basically the same trailer recut it's more about the change that paramount had to do because people started whining online so they dropped the second trailer i guess new trailer to the sonic the hedgehog movie and completely redoing the design of sonic to uh more go with the games and everything it's still a bad trailer and what makes me irritated the most is that these people that were crying online about this, first of all, are Joel and I's age, probably. And they're crying about it, and they're probably not even going to see it. So, like, they made these animators work overtime, probably didn't even get that much pay for it, just to satisfy a bunch of adult crybabies. They're probably not going to see this movie in the first place. Does the trailer still um, look terrible to me? Yeah, pretty much. Does the redesign of Sonic look better? I guess. I mean, I'm not, like, a huge Sonic fan, so I don't really care. But I just think it's really, I don't know, I just don't like the whole thing. And when they dropped the new trailer with the new design and everything, people are like, oh my god, it looks so great. I'm like, are you even going to see it? Like, at this point, this movie better make like $2 billion. Because it just, ugh, it's just, it's just gross, Joel, that um, they can go online and have this small, little loud group of people strong arm them into forcing animators to redesign it it's just i don't know man the whole thing is just weird but they dropped the new trailer new design it's whatever but if you were the one one of the ones that complained you better go support it uh that's all i had to say that that is my soapbox rant on that so to get to some of the dramas that came out this week uh the first one is fantasy island uh another film from blumhouse it takes the uh you know popular 70s show and they turn it into a horror film where people um, get to this island and uh, Michael Pena is just like, dream of whatever you, uh, you know, whatever wildest fantasy comes to your, your mind. And then Lucy Hale's like, I don't really like this person. I wish they were dead. And, of course, they say it jokingly. And then, oh, boy, they actually have the person and they're going to die right there in front of them. And the thing is with this island is you have to 
uh, complete your fantasy. So you can't just like say it and then run away or run off the island. You're like, you have to complete your fantasy uh, and, uh, until you can get off. The, I, I don't know the whole logistics of it, but that's kind of the basic setup. Um, it, it looks fine. It's not like a Blumhouse movie that I'm looking forward to uh, or whatever. It comes out the same month as The Invisible Man. I'm, lo- I'm looking for way more to that. But for this one, I appreciate the horror spin on it. And it looks entertaining enough, but I'm not like, you know, jumping up and down going, oh my God, I got to see this. And I'm, you know, I, I love horror films, but um, I'm going to see this uh, regardless because uh, I'll probably <laughs> get an invite for it. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it looks standard. You know, our, our, our boy Brian uh, did not like this trailer, Joel. Uh, he, <laughs> he was very uh, outspoken on that. He was just like, Man, I thought it was his favorite trailer of all time. <laughs> exactly. For his reaction, I thought uh, maybe that it might have been in his top three of all time. But, guys, it looks whatever. It's a Blumhouse movie. What do you expect? Um, okay, so to get into some of the, the dramas here real quick, there's only a couple of them, but I wanted to uh, address them because one of them looks phenomenal, and then one of them looks pretty pretty good. So the one that looks good is Seaberg, and this one stars Kristen Stewart, as she plays Jean... Uh, Seberg, and she was in the the late '60s. Who was targeted by uh, Hoover's FBI, um, where because uh, she was involved uh, with with her political and romantic involvement with um, a civil rights activist. Uh, Joel, is it Hakeem uh, Jamal? I have no idea, but I'm assuming. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I don't know the story, so right, I, I'm, I I'm guessing that's how you uh, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Hakeem. Okay. Um, so yeah, I never heard about this either, uh, obviously, cause I, um, I'm terrible at history for the most part. I don't really recall certain events cause I'm a dumb dumb. but when I saw the trailer to this and, you know, kind of looking up on some of the stuff around it, it's, it's a pretty fascinating little story. And I think, uh, this is a great representation as to why I don't hate Kristen Stewart because people will probably watch my Charlie's Angels review and be like, Oh my God! This guy just—he he just hates Christian Stewart. It's like, no, she's a great actress, and so is Robert Pattinson. By the way, um, I listen. Get that Twilight money and move out, and you know, do do films like this, do smaller things, and just continue to prove people wrong. Because I think her and Robert, are some of the best of our generation right now, and uh, I, I firmly believe that. And this is just another example. Uh, she looks really good in this, and it just looks like a really good movie. So. Uh, yeah. Um, she looks uh, pretty solid here. So there's really nothing more to say. It's just a a, a a nice palate cleanser. After you watch Charlie's Angels, you're like, oh yeah, she does better movies. Uh, so there you go. Now the one trailer. And this is the final trailer of the week. Uh, no, it is not the way back from 2010, and no, it's not the way way back from 2013. It's the way back, and uh, it's going to come out next year in 2020. This, oh man, Joel, have you have you seen this trailer? I have not, uh, but I've heard I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. Oh God, uh, director Gavin O'Connor brought us Warrior, and of course uh, worked with Ben Affleck in The Accountant. Ben Affleck is back, and he plays a uh, a former uh, kind of basketball star in his high school, and he's struggling with alcoholism, and he's offered a coaching job at his alma mater, and of course you know he tries to coach these kids he's still dealing with alcoholism and you know he there's certain people in his life that have that kind of stronghold on him to that forces him 
you know, to drink emotionally like that. And I got to tell you, if this trailer, excuse me, if is any indication of what's going to happen next year in terms of like awards season and all that stuff, I know it's coming out in, in March. So it is a tad too early for conversation, but then again, um, you know, stuff comes out in February and can still get nominated. But Joel, I'm telling you right now, this is the best I've seen, uh, Ben Affleck in quite some time. Like he, he is absolutely devastating in his trailer. And I, I think it's because he's really tapping into his r- actual problems, uh, that Ben Affleck has, uh, as a, as a person, because he also went to rehab and everything. And I think he's really pulling from some dark places and that's really showing on screen in his, uh, his performance. And it's just, I, I like, I almost want you to break your rules so you can just watch this trailer. Cause it, it's, it's really, really good, dude. And I sounds, sounds like a really weird remake of the 2010 movie. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you, you know how Hollywood works. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, um, it's such a good trailer. I can't like, as soon as it started, first of all, I had no idea that Ben Affleck and Gavin O'Connor were even teaming up again. Like I knew like, the accountant too was in production, but I had no idea about this like side movie that they did. And it just, it blew me away. Cause I had no idea it was about, uh, someone with alcohol addiction or even that Ben Affleck was in it. But as it just kept playing and just kept getting, um, more and more like emotionally, like just heavy, it just, I don't know. It struck a chord with me and it made me excited to watch that one, uh, for next year and really see Ben Affleck kind of just go back to his roots and just show people why he's good. And, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people, We'll just dog on him because, you know, he was Batman and everything. But people tend to forget that he's a great filmmaker. He's a great actor. And I think because this is his first movie, like movie outside of like comic book realm. I think that he has made since like his, you know, divorce went public and his rehab and everything. So it's going to be really interesting to see him actually tap into actual inner demons to portray that into his character that also has inner demons and then projects that on screen. So it's going to be a really fascinating character study. And I think the performance uh, really kind of nailed that. So it sort of sounds like what Shia LaBeouf's doing with honey boy uh, almost right. because of he's, he's just directly confronting some stuff about his past and exactly. uh, in, in some way. And, and yeah, and so it sounds like, fine. Yeah. And this isn't like directly related to Ben Affleck, but you can definitely tell while watching like, Oh man, like this is, this is him. This is yeah. what he's been going through for like the past couple of years. Um, yeah, it's just that's hands down my favorite trailer of the week. It's it's so so good, and it comes out in March, mm. so it's you know just a few short months away. So I think um, that will be the first like I think big movie to give us like a pop uh, in terms of like um, like awards chatter. So mm. I mean, this hey, is my I mean, I mean, O'Connor got uh, Nick Nolte a nomination for Warrior, so it's right. entirely possible, and and. And I say that as kind of a uh, – honestly, a, a backhanded compliment because I don't think that Nick Nolte was very good in Warrior, and I'm not a, and I'm not a fan of Warrior. Right. So, you know, he was he was able to get that uh, – make that happen, and uh, so it could very well be – and that was, a, you know, like an early September movie um, that that premiered before any, any sort of um, um, festivals could take it on. So certainly it's not impossible. Uh, that, it, that it could do something. So, all right, uh, guys, our next review 
is uh, for Ford v. Ferrari. Now, this one is the newest movie from director James Mangold, who previously brought us, brought us films like Walk the Line and 310 to Yuma before um, kind of astonishing everyone with his second attempt at a, uh, a Wolverine standalone movie with Logan, um, one of his best movies. And uh, this is another one of his best movies. This one stars Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Yes, yes, Jason Bourne and Batman. In a story about the uh, the uh, rivalry between Ford Motor Company, Ford Motor Company, and Ferrari uh, in the 1960s, uh, they are wanting to both win the 24 Hours of Le Mans race, um, and this actually just comes 11 years after something that probably people. Um, Intimately familiar with the race and with sports racing in general will probably know, which is the 1955 24 Hours of Le Mans. I don't know if you know about this, Chase. Do you know what happened at the 1955 Le Mans? I didn't even know this race existed until I saw this movie. Okay. <laughs> because I'm not so, really that in tune with uh, uh, with racing. Racing, yes. I was led down a weird and rather depressing uh uh, rabbit hole one day and found out about it. Uh, I didn't know about it until a couple years ago. But in 1955, uh, at that particular 24 hours of Le Mans, uh, there was a horrific accident uh, at the starting line um, when a race car collided with an embankment, was flipped up and um, hit the top of the embankment and disintegrated, sending the debris of the race car into the crowd and 83 spectators and the driver died. Uh, and that, that's, you know, just 10 years in the past for these people. So obviously it's going to be on everybody's mind. It's a very dangerous race sometimes now, but you know, after that regulations were put on the embankments, uh, they were not very well regulated in the fifties. So it was probably no, no surprise that at some point something would happen, but this is very much a movie about American exceptionalism, about the fact that obviously in the face of such danger, uh, there are going to be drivers who do the race because they can and because it is dangerous. Uh, and that is exactly what this movie is about, uh, the two people at the center of it. Um, in one corner, we have Matt Damon as Carol Shelby, who is a former racer. Uh, he's kind of become disillusioned uh, from racing after not doing so well in his last few races. So he's become sort of a head engineer and he is asked to be uh, the lead engineer and to lead a, a group of other engineers to build a race car uh, for for the Ford Motor Company because its founder – or its uh, – not founder, but its current CEO, Henry Ford II, played by Tracy Letts, um, wants to embarrass Ferrari, played by Remo Girone, uh, at the race. And uh, to that – to that – uh, um, um, end – uh, Carol decides to hire Ken Miles, British driver who's kind of reckless. He's played by Christian Bale and um, is also extremely good. Like, he's one of the best racers in the in the league. And so they, they come together to build this race car and to kind of prove that Ford Motor Company can can uh, can, can, can compete in kind of a, uh, a big giant you know international race like this. Um, and so, guys, this movie is just pure adrenalized entertainment. Uh, this thing is 152 minutes that feel like they're 90, 92 minutes. It feels like it's an hour and a half, not two and a half hours. Um, 
And it's because of the fact that Mangold, in collaboration with his team of editors, who include uh, – oh, I just – I closed the thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's a team of editors. I think that it's like a couple of them, Michael McCusker, Dick Westervelt. I've forgotten the third person's name. Uh, probably going to win the Oscar for Best Film Editing. That's what I'm guessing. Um, because this thing is just – it moves. It it really moves uh with a with a vengeance uh this this movie's just super entertaining and i'm going to try to not i'm, I'm going to try to keep and not keep saying just that uh <laughs> i'm going to try to say other things about it but that's what i keep coming back to is this thing is just a pure piece of entertainment pure cinema as as some might say uh this thing is big it's one to see on the big screen uh although it's going to look great on 4k please do not wait for that Please see this on the big screen because it's big. It's loud in a way that is not, you know, it's not too loud. Uh, it's a great, great piece of sound design because much of this movie is, you know, breathless race sequences where not only do we get the film editing, you know, just kind of very punchy in those races, we also get the noises of the cars. And um, the, not only the cars themselves, but of the cars uh, zooming past each other. Um, that particular kind of noise is very, you know, like, uh, it's basically like moving audio almost. Um, and, and I saw it in a theater that was, uh, that was IMAX, Dolby, or it was Dolby, Dolby, and it was moving audio and it really just washes over you. And, um, it just, I, I start with the craft because that's what this movie is all about. And sometimes that's, that's the case. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes you have a movie that is is all about the style, um, and this is this is sort of that case because on a humanistic level we don't really learn much about Shelby at all. Uh, that kind of falls, you know, uh, that's the screenplay falling short just a little bit. We learn more about Miles. He has a wife played by Katrina Balfe, a son played by Noah Jupe, um, who's excellent by the way. Noah Jupe is great here. Uh, in a, in a really naturalistic performance that didn't need to be that good. Um, you learn a little bit about him and you learn, you learn about his family dynamic, but mostly, I mean, the son is just somebody who idolizes his dad. The, the mom, the, the wife is just somebody who's at home worrying about stuff. That's pretty typical of the, the sports biopic. Um, and this is sort of a sports biopic in a way, uh, at least when it comes to these two men, that's what it is. Now, the real story of this movie, though, is this sort of like flexing contest between these two big corporations. So you get that through the performance by uh, Tracy Letts, who is absolutely hilarious and really, really fantastic here. Real scene stealer. There's a moment early on involving a, um, a faulty projector that Letts just it, it just murders that scene to death. It's great um, where the projector uh, <laughs> goes wrong and it starts – and starts uh, screwing up the slides, and he's like, is this part of it? Uh, the presentation that's being made. Just great. Uh, just a great performance from him. And then uh, mostly the the Ferrari uh, employees, including the, the CEO, are kind of left to be sort of mustache-twirling villains. <laughs> but um, but Gironi has fun uh, with his mostly silent role as, as Ferrari. He, he gets this scene where he's uh, able to insult uh henry ford's second not to his face but to the face of lee iacocca 
who is uh, Ford's head of production, I think, um, played by John Bernthal. And uh, you also have Josh Lucas, who plays Le- uh, Leo Beebe, who is the who becomes the head of the racing division at Ford. Um, he has a lot of fun reuniting with uh, Christian Bale after American Psycho. And um, yeah, it's just a lot of really great performances. Lots of lots of men flexing their muscles, figuratively and literally, at each other um, in a story about you know sort of uh, <laughs> macho dominance, if you will. This is an extremely male movie, guys. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Um, at the expense of its female character, that's that's the most major one, sure. Uh, but it's very much about American exceptionalism in a period just before the Vietnam War. Uh, well, during it, I guess, where that was very popular. There were a lot of war classics in that period of time. It's a very macho period of time for Hollywood, and this reflects that ideology and that and that feeling. And uh, just excellent. I really, really bolstered by these two lead performances from from Bale and Damon, who uh, I think Bale, this is the best Bale's been in a while. Uh, it, well, I liked him a lot in Vice. This might be a better performance in Vice even. Um, in a movie that isn't quite as good as that, not really comparable, he's really fantastic here. Uh, he's loosest and funniest that he's ever been in a role, I think. Um just a lot of real sarcasm. He he takes it on with maybe sardonic, a, a bit of a sardonic nature more than sarcastic, and um, has a great chemistry with with Matt Damon. He's they've never worked together somehow, um, and they go together really well. And um, you know Damon Damon's solid. Damon's solid. Uh, there is there is a tendency in the screenplay to kind of undercut his character's development you don't really learn much about the guy um beyond you know the fact that he had some disappointments um and but this movie is very much kind of in the in the moment so yeah i like this movie a lot i i can't i think that uh that chase and i have the same rating i can't really go above that just because i don't think that it it goes above and beyond uh, to do more than it's doing, if you will, uh, to be more than it is. Uh, but what it is is again pure entertainment. It's it it's zoomed by. So here's here's a little like relative comparison thing. This movie's 152 minutes. Felt like 92 to me. It really did. I then tra- I said I then saw Charlie's Angels uh, a couple hours later, and uh, well an hour later, and. It's 118 minutes, I believe, and it felt 118 minutes. So this movie that's you know half an hour longer than that one feels half an hour shorter, and it's it just whizzes by. Um, and I love the races. I love the the again the sound design, the cinematography from Faden Pop, from Faden Papa Michael, uh, great name first. Uh, notice that name because uh, he he shot the Pursuit of Happiness um, with Will Smith. That's the first time I ever saw his name on anything. I'm sure that he shot something before that, but uh, I've been kind of following his career since that. Uh, he also shot Seven Pounds. That same director shot uh, Nebraska for uh, Alexander Payne, Black and White. Um, he's done some other things, and it's fantastic. Uh, really, like he drenches everything in sunlight. So that we're able to see everything that's happening, um, and even at night though, it's it's 
really uh, fantastic photography. So, yeah, I just I think that this movie, when it sings, it sings. It runs into some development, like you know, script problems, but they all just kind of fall at the face of this incredible production, and uh, it deserves all of the Oscars it's going to get. I think that it's going to win for, uh, well, it could win for for both of the sound design uh, nom- uh, awards. Although 1917 is a movie that we're going to have to watch on that front. Um, and then uh, I think it could fi- could win film editing. has a good shot to be nominated in visual effects, I think, because uh, it's a lot of practical work. And, um, yeah, I really liked it. So B-plus for me on, uh, on Ford v. Ferrari. So, Chase, take it away, sir. Yeah, so uh, with Ford v. Ferrari, I, I agree first and foremost. Let me start with this. Uh, regardless of what I say, please watch this on the biggest screen possible. Um, when we went to the advanced screening for it, I was a little jealous that it wasn't IMAX and it, they didn't want to, um, uh, you know, like really uh, <laughs> um, kind of go there. And so, um, it, yeah, uh, we saw it in the theater, and I think it's really worth it to see in a theater. Uh, I, w- I want to see it at home, but I think you, if you were curious about this, then you should um, go, go seek out uh, to do it. I think you um, won't regret it. So to get into the movie, I, I agree with Joel. I really liked it quite a bit. I can't really get it up into the the same um, kind of grade, uh, grade area as like an A. Um it just I didn't feel like that was a, it was an A movie, but it's a really really good movie to just cap out at that B plus to kind of start with my grade. Uh, I think what James Mangold did here was just really craft uh, this amazing uh, movie on a technical level and just a really exciting um, kind of on on a story level as well. To start with the actual story, first of all, who doesn't love a good underdog story? Um, it's a, it is a sports movie. It's a biopic. It's an underdog story. It's the definition of like, just, it is PG 13, but it's really good. Like just a family movie. I think anyone can enjoy this from any age, um, demographic, whether you're elderly kid, adult, I think this appeals to everybody, um, which is kind of, uh, what's really charming about it the most, but, um, the story itself is uh, is really exciting um, off the track when they're in their business meetings and having them have this, uh, you know, uh, pissing contest between Ford and Ferrari and just all the stuff that happens behind the scenes with the business and everything and the undercutting and just having, you know, Ken Miles and Carol Shelby like, you know, rise through the ashes and prove them wrong. It's just all that stuff was really exciting to watch. And I think everyone's commitment with this kind of like all star cast that mangles got going on it's just it's really fun to watch and you know damon i agree with you he is a bit undercut we basically just see him in his element you know creating the car and being at the race (laughs) that's about it but it really focuses on ken miles the most and we get to see his relationship with his his wife his son and just seeing how confident he is not really cocky but like he's confident and slightly cocky but he knows what he's doing he's really good at what he does and so i think you're absolutely correct christian bale is like he's like this kind of like loose cannon like you don't know what he's gonna say you don't know what he's gonna do he's having such a blast in this role but when he gets behind the wheel he concentrates like you cannot break this man's focus like he um requires that attention when he's on the road and then when he's off uh, out of the car league, like, he's back to his loose self. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I find that really, 
really interesting as a character because a lot of people are like that. I'm like that. Uh, when I focus on the podcast, like this is what I focus on. I don't uh, deviate uh, anywhere else uh, while I'm recording or whatever. And then when I'm, you know, I'm done recording, I'm a, a little bit more laid back and stuff. So I, I like that. It's a very um, a very good character for him to play. And, and plus, he's, he's one of the best. And so uh, he can play whatever. But, uh, um, oh, yeah. So back to Mangold. He crafts some of the best racing sequences I've seen on film in quite some time. They are exhilarating to watch. They're, you know, pulse pounding, just like anxiety inducing, like seeing these cars go at like 200 miles per hour, whipping these sharp turns and just really kind of getting in there in the moment when you're watching it. It's just like you feel like you're in the passenger seat and it's just, it's exciting to watch, man. It's I think Joel nailed it best. Like I'm trying not to say it as much either, but it's just an entertaining watch for someone that's not even like a racing fan and seeing this kind of play out the way it does. It's just, it's first of all, it's just really exciting to watch because it's well edited. The sound design is immersive. Um, I think you're right. I think this is going to be the film between this and 1917. They're going to gun, uh, gun for the, uh, uh, sound, uh, mixing and sound editing. I also think that, uh, it has a really good chance of just winning pure editing as well. Um, I don't think you're wrong there. Um, because for a 152-minute movie, it moves with such briskness. And it moves at the, the speed of the cars. And you just get so invested into Ken, you know, just do, um, going against everything that Ford, you know, try to shove him down with and prove them wrong. And I, I just there's something really um, exciting about that to watch. But yeah, just on a technical level and just the crafting of the racing sequences using practical effects with real cars, it blows your mind that they were able to construct this the way they did. So it's a bold movie. It's a big, loud movie. But Mango also knows how to kind of reel it back a little bit and focus on the characters and why we love them so much and why we want them to succeed. So he has a bunch of moments where it's a little bit more quiet. He's um, He really focuses on the characters in certain scenes and... It's just a really well-directed movie. Um, like I said, the performances are all great. I think Tracy Letts uh, had probably one of the funniest lines I've heard in a theater all year, and the crowd was howling. Like, it's it's a very juvenile line for sure, <laughs> but when it happens, it catches you off guard, and it's just absolutely hilarious. But a lot of people are pinpointing him as, like, this cartoon mush, mustache-twirling villain. Joel's not incorrect there. I... Also, will agree with it, but it didn't bother me because I don't, I don't know. He was he had that bravado about him, and he had that arrogance about him that made it interesting to watch because Tracy Letts is a great actor. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought he did a really gr- great job, even though it was kind of borderline cartoonish. Um, but everyone in this movie does a fantastic job. I mean, Mangold is dealing with not only this big movie on uh, on a scale that it is, but he has to also wrangle in all these performances, and I think everyone uh, delivers in that respect. I think John Bernthal, probably one of the best film roles I've seen from him in a while, so I mean, well, just once again, everyone steps up to the plate, and it's really great to witness. Um, the cinematography is also really great, really complementing the era that it is uh, set in with the 60s. The production design is lush, it's colorful. Uh, the costumes, just everything about it, it just it feels like you're watching something from that era and really just makes it uh, more immersive than it actually is. I don't know what else to say about this movie. Um, uh, I, I, like I said, I agree with Joel. Some of the negatives are more 
with like Matt Damon's character and some of the writing, but it really didn't bother me because for 152 minutes, this movie flies by. You're going to get into it and you're just going to love it. It's just such a lovable movie. So exactly. I mean, for the, a few minutes of broad strokes writing and, and all that, it's, it's, it's enough to forgive it. It's it's so, it's such a, yeah. Like it's such a forgiving and charming movie that you're like, whatever, man, I enjoy myself. So like I said at the top, I'm going to give 4V Ferrari a B plus. See it in theaters and let uh, let Disney know you want more movies like this. Because right now I checked the numbers. It opened up to $31 million. That's awesome. awesome. So, yeah, that is uh, excellent. Yeah, keep it And going. remember, we were talking about how this is the kind of the thing that Fox, that Fox Disney needs to justify more releases right. like this. And uh, – they just – I think that they just released like a new schedule through 2023 and they've got a bunch of Fox titles on there. So it may be that there's some of these kind of old-fashioned, you know, kind of uh, easy soft lobs to, to audiences because it's, it's, a, it's a true audience pleaser. Right. It's an old-fashioned uh, Hollywood entertainment. Those are hard to do and, uh, you know, these days. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Um, so I'm really, really happy to see that happen. All right, uh, so that's our review of Ford v. Ferrari. Um, definitely see this one in the theaters. Uh, if you want to find – well, I guess next week. We'll, we'll talk about next week. So next week is obviously <laughs> – this is going to be obvious – a review of Frozen 2, uh, of course, because it's one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I, I adore the first movie. I can't wait to see where they've taken the story. So that's uh, what's going to be next week. And, um, and then we're, we're, we're going to be taking a couple of weeks, uh, a, a week off, I should say. But, um, but yeah, next week, Frozen 2, I'm, I'm really excited for this and, uh, well, it'll come to you, uh, Saturday morning. We're recording it Friday night, Saturday morning, Friday night, whatever. It'll come around then. So, uh, look forward to that. And if you want to find my writing, it's Joel on film.com. I've got a review of Ford v Ferrari as well as Charlie's Angels up. You can also find uh, – because I, I doubled back to review Crawl, which I missed. I mean I saw it I saw it in July, but I missed uh, a chance to review it, reviewed that. So I've got, I've got one for that on, uh, on there now. And um, yeah, so that's where I am. You know all the places on Twitter that I am by now. I, you can search me on Letterboxd uh, to you know, follow me daily. And that's, that's basically it. So, uh, so Chase, where are you, my, my, my good friend? Yes, uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Real Chase Lee. If you guys want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at Real Me and Podcast. Uh, if you guys want to, uh, I don't know why I keep bringing up the YouTube. I already give you guys all the videos <laughs> I do on there, I, guys. It's it's been a long week. Um, but yes, if you if you like this show, or if you're if you're new to this, if this was your first episode, um, and you made it through, you know, and you liked it, like please spread it around. If you're a returning listener, spread it around. Let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. We would really appreciate it um so yeah that's where uh you can do uh, all that for the podcast stuff so this has been episode 300 guys hopefully we can keep going on for another 100 more so we can celebrate 400 but this has been 300 next week is 301 with frozen 2 let us know all your thoughts about any movie we discuss down below so that will do it for this uh this uh, episode guys i am chase lee that is joel over there and uh we'll see you guys for a little frozen 2 action uh continuing on that disney uh, train, if you will. So, uh, see you guys next week. Bye.
To women who hoped to evade the ticking clock of time, Dr. Frederick Brandt was the most potent drug dealer in the world. And the dealer got high on his own supply. From Imperative Entertainment and the team behind Broken Hearts comes a new series that will challenge everything you know about fame, fortune, and the fear of growing old. I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox. Botox. 